Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. Appreciate you guys joining us for another week. Once again, I am Sam Thrash, your Fall Obsession podcast host. If you are a new listener, welcome. Appreciate you guys checking out um, the podcast. And I want to encourage you guys to hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on because we bring out a new episode every single Monday morning. Um, So we want to make sure that you guys get notified and are aware whenever new content drops. So be sure that you uh, follow us on your podcast platforms. Um, And I'll get into some of our other uh, social platforms at the end of the episode. But I want to make sure that you guys uh, stay in tune with us. Um, Here recently, in our recent weeks, we've had some recaps of some of the spring hunts that have been going on around us with some of our staffers and some of our friends. We've had a lot of turkey season recaps, some spring bear recaps as well. Some of those are pretty entertaining. All those are kind of within the last eight to ten weeks or so of our episodes, so I want to encourage you guys to go back and listen to those if you haven't already. Um, But now we are kind of entering a phase where we're transitioning away from the spring hunting recaps and starting to turn our focus more towards the fall season preparation, if you will. Um, we're looking ahead to deer season and to what some of our our own staff and some of our close friends at Fall Obsession are doing to prepare their um, their hunting properties for fall whitetail. So these next few weeks, we're going to have several different people um, coming on the podcast to talk about some of the stuff that they're doing specifically on their places in their respective areas. Um, so this week, um, we have a guest with us. He's no stranger to our podcast and as our staffer, Kurt Eckleberry. Kurt, welcome back, man. Glad to have you. Hey, appreciate, 
appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having me back on again. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, you're you're no stranger to the podcast, and uh, I, I think this is probably your fourth or fifth time to be hanging out with us on here. So um, if you guys haven't checked out any of Kurt's previous episodes with us, um, I'll give you, quick, give you a quick recap here. Episode 28, Ohio Whitetails is a good one to listen to. Episode 47, um, those are kind of the, the bookends to his whitetail season this last year. And then Kurt and his buddy Jeff Hasselbach came back on here, episodes 55 and 56, to talk about some spring turkey before the season. And then Jeff recapped a, a stud deer that he killed last year as well. So um, all those are good episodes to, to check out. But um, Kurt, we're going to start things off here this week. Um, like I said, kind of transitioning from that spring turkey to, to summer whitetail prep. Um, but we'll, we'll let you kick it off with talking about how your spring turkey season went. Yeah, I'm just glad I get to do a podcast about a successful hunt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we had a few empty tags, but hey, it happens. We, we tried, had a pretty good season. Yeah, I'll just start off with, uh, we uh, had some youth hunters this year. We plan on getting some youth hunts in, so we did a little preseason scouting for turkey, which I don't normally do, but I wanted to make sure they had a fair shot. So uh, we set up in Ohio here, ground blind on a, partial that our, our family hunts and uh me and a buddy went out the day before youth season and uh did a little scouting had a hen and a real nice long beard walk 20 yards in front of the blind we thought well this is great uh, this this should be pretty easy and uh we went out the been three of us the next morning our youth hunter and uh <laughs> the birds flew down and when you know it go the other way <laughs> so it happens a lot you know yeah it was it's still a good experience uh we got to hear a lot of goblin and i think we had some coyote footage and uh they they made their way across the property it's kind of like three corners we hunt together and they went across to another field where they normally go and it sounded like there was a youth hunter over there and uh he, he made a shot or she made a shot so it was just cool you know some kid got one that morning so um heck yeah but yeah yeah, it was good. You know, but she she was kind of like, I had the neighbors shooting our turkeys right now. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's something you're going to have to learn to deal with. Your neighbors kill a lot of your animals sometimes. So, but yeah, it's good. With, uh, with smaller properties and stuff, you know, that's kind of, that's sometimes a, a harder thing to avoid. Or when you're, when you're close to at least the property line, you know, that's, it's kind of is what it is most of the time. So, exactly yeah you know respecting the boundaries i preach that you know there's a lot of guys that don't see it that way unfortunately but you know that i didn't get under my skin that the neighbor killed one i was happy for them you know everybody gets their fair chance eventually so yeah try try to instill that in the kids too you know at the same time that they're not always coming to you (laughs) so yeah absolutely yeah so we uh continued to hunt ohio a few more times um same property we only have one property that's got that holds some birds messed around with them for a while they kind of got the call shy thing going on there toward the end and uh it was time uh, we had a trip planned for west virginia we went down there uh started off youth season down there with uh lot and you watched his video where he killed a doe it was him it was his turn to be up for uh west virginia turkey it was his hurt i think it's first turkey hunt actually um we got into some birds down there we hunted around our cabin property um thought i had them figured out we've we've had birds come in that area before i just was trying to do a repeat of what we've had happen in the past and uh boy we worked this bird and he was coming and lawton's face was getting you know brighter and brighter he he knew it was about to happen i had the gopro on everything i'm just waiting for a head to pop up and 
uh, he just turned and went the other direction. And I'm starting to learn with this property. Um, and I've heard this from other people too, is like if there's obstacles in the way of these birds, sometimes they will not come over or around that. And then that's the situation with this property is, I don't know, you know, if you ever seen like on a, the top of a mountain, sometimes it'll have like a rock outcropping or a shelf. And we have like a 15 to 25 foot crop around the whole property. So this bird was below that and he was not coming up on top. So, you know, down there, you got to kind of learn to be on what level they're going to be on the high end or the low end and try to get where they're at. Um, yeah. Pro staffer Jason Wanling had the same situation. He said he was working a bird on a ridge and he hung up at like 50 yards because there was a dead tree on the road and he would not come across it. You know, so yeah, it kind of kind of new for me. Uh, it took me a while to figure that out why these birds weren't really playing the game because they're not pressured down there at all. So there was no reason for them to come. But you know, looking back now, I can you can see why. So yeah, um, we hunted youth season, and then Monday it was a Saturday Sunday youth season. We didn't kill anything. We came close. I mean, the lot was still ecstatic. He kept saying thank you i've never had an experience like that so that was cool you know and we got it all on video a lot, a lot of vocal you know a lot of turkey talk on video um a lot of good audio i should say so i uh i got up monday the the main opener there and uh he i think he wanted to sleep in so he hung back at camp and i went on the new piece of property that i purchased and i took a really nasty hike way back in and turkeys were lit up that morning gobbling like crazy and the neighbor I'd stop and talk to our neighbor. Thank God we have very great neighbors down there. And he's like, you know, if you need to go back on our place, go ahead, dive back in there wherever you need to go. So I had that, you know, reassurance that, you know, I wasn't trapped to my little 44 acres. I could actually roam if I needed to. So I made it up the hill and um, just started listening kind of see what birds were close. And I heard some way off in the distance and I, I thought immediately, like, those are too far away. I'm going to keep moving. So I moved down toward the neighbor's piece um where i knew i could get down in there if i had to and those birds were lit up and i you know usually in ohio you'll have that a real strong gobbling phase when they're on the roost and then when they hit the ground they kind of shut up well it's getting later in the morning and these birds are still hammering like they're on the roost and it was confusing me i didn't know if they were on the ground or not so i started hitting the pot call hitting some mouth calls and I just sat down with the binoculars trying to see, are they in the trees or are they on these logging roads? I was just trying to get one, a visual on something. Yeah. And I ripped probably, I don't know, five, 10 yelps off the slate and a, a three, I guess you'd say Tom's cause they were just hammered and they were close. And I'm like, Oh boy, like I'm in a bad spot. Like they're coming at me. I'm on high point. I just took off on a mad run fast as i could down the logging road and got below them and tried to set up cut them off basically and uh i i had my gun sitting on the ground still trying to set the tripod up on the camera and i hit the gopro because i heard them you know they're getting close and i finally got the camera focused and as soon as i picked up my shotgun i seen a head so it was that close you know i didn't have much time to get set up um like i in the video i had the sun in my face that was the only option you know, in another 10 minutes into daylight, it probably would have blinded the camera and myself. But yeah. thank God they worked They worked down this uh, logging road and put on a show. Didn't have a decoy, so they were kind of taking it easy. They didn't really have nothing to come running to. So 
um, you'll see in the video, I, I used, uh, there was a fallen over tree and it was kind of uprooted and I kind of tucked behind that dirt ball there to break up my silhouette. And as soon as his head popped out the other side, I shot, but you'll look in the video. I, <laughs> I shot about half of the tree stump off and still managed to kill the birds. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> and, you know, I talk about it in the closing video there that this was my first year shooting a turkey choke. And uh, I'd done some pattern testing this spring and just something new to do. But, you know, who knows if I would have killed that bird without a choke. You know, I, I don't know if the pattern was tight enough and it penetrated through that dirt and still took him out. But uh, I was just telling a guy about that story, and I never found a BB one huh. in that bird. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I, who, who knows if it if it was a super lethal shot or not, you know. But uh, he did flop quite a bit after I got to him. I know the video showed that, but. Well, got the job done for sure. So yeah, yep. I got back to camp and uh, managed to take a lot out one more time. I think before we left. So awesome. Um, yeah, I used a mix of a whole a bunch of different calls. You know, I I wish I could say I used our pot call that morning, but I do not think I did. I, I just <laughs> remembered I grabbed one. I grabbed one out of the top of my vest. The zipper was already open, and uh, that was the one I used. So I wish we could have used our pot call because it is a good call. I do have some videos. Um, that I've sent and you guys probably haven't got them yet, but, uh, of our pot call at work and, uh, yeah. it, it does the job. I'll say that. Yeah. It's got a good, really good tune to it. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll get that footage out so people can, uh, can see that. And I'll, I'll plug it real quick too. two things. First off, Kurt has referenced this, uh, this video a couple times now. So a video of the Turkey kill that he's, that he's talking about here. It is on our YouTube channel, fall obsession, YouTube channel. It is titled opening day, West Virginia gobbler self filmed. Um, Kurt's got several, uh, self film hunts on our YouTube channel and, uh, he does a really good job with them and turns out a pretty good production. So definitely worth the watch. Um, one, if you're a turkey hunter and you want to see a good turkey kill. And two, if you want to see some uh, some just quick and uh, quick setup for the situation and a decent uh, self-filmed hunt, then that's one to look at too. So check that out. And then Kurt also talked about our, our fall obsession turkey call. We do still have a few of them in our inventory. They're handmade by our pro staffer, Adam Seitz, up in uh, Pennsylvania really good quality call and right now with turkey season being over we have it priced at a very affordable um, price so you guys can go check that out as well at fallobsession.com we have it in our online store so go take that take a look at that as well so yeah i'm always uh willing to tell people what gear i use or what new stuff i might have used that helped me success you know be successful so the, uh, i shoot a mossberg 500 and that was an extra full choke by mossberg i used this year and uh, I've always been a Predator camo fan. I've had it for a long time, but I don't know, with COVID and some stuff, maybe some inventory issues were going on, and I couldn't find a new set of camo that I, I really wanted. So pro staffer Jason Wanling, he's a natural gear fan. So he, you know, he, he told me, he's like, you ought to try natural gear. And uh, he said, plus you'll be more like me if you do buy it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, did, I did purchase it. It is actually really good stuff. It's a very light material um real quiet it blends in really good they they do do a really good job and the pricing is um for the average guy i mean it, it's not expensive at all so uh that was another product i switched to and another thing for me this year is i have never wore a turkey vest ever turkey hunting and i broke down and bought one this year because i find myself getting older and losing stuff and it's spread out everywhere so yeah. 
I still might not know where it is, but it's least it's in my vest, so I can yeah. say it's with me. So, yeah. um, I bought the Alps. I think it's the Alps. Uh, I can't remember the exact model, but uh, it, it was it's handy. I mean, it, I see why guys wear them now. <laughs> yeah. It is worth it. Um, it actually has the in between your shoulder blades. I know some of these guys have this where you can pull out the bag, and that, that's actually for your decoy if you want it to be. What I found out, it's best for mushrooms. Oh, very yeah. cool. Putting put mushrooms in it, so we're not to a state I, where we have to have uh, you know the bag that allows the spores to fall out. I know Michigan's like that; they have to carry. I think it's like a burlap sack, so um, the seed, you know, they can reseed themselves. I guess is how I understand it. So yeah, um, it works good at Ohio. Good. So deal. check your laws before you do to use one of those. I guess. Yeah. Well. Kurt, you've mentioned several products that uh, that you use, and I wanted to bring up to our listeners too for for those of them who might be newer and uh, not as familiar with us or Fall Obsession. All the products that Kurt has has mentioned here and uh, that he's talked about himself purchasing or acquiring, um, these are not really products that we have any kind of corporate partnership or anything like that with. So, um, just I bring that up just to convey that. We are like y'all. We're blue collar outdoorsmen, and we uh, we buy and invest in a majority of our own gear right now at this time. And we do our best to share that information with y'all because we we buy it, we invest in it, we field test it, and we prove that it works. And so we don't want it to we don't want to sound like we're trying to plug a a product because we have to. There are some products that we uh, are fortunate to have corporate sp- uh, partnerships with certain companies, but. Um, these products that Kurt's mentioned, he, he bought and invested in them on his own, and they're effective for him. So I'd hope that that, uh, that says something to those of you who may be looking for some new gear. So Exactly. If it's junk, I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> it <is>. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. what it's like. This, this can be an expensive game. You know, we all try to do it you know affordably but yeah and if our pot call if our pot call was junk kurt would tell me too so <laughs> yeah right yeah and it's not man i i'm serious adam did a very good job on these and uh, i mean everybody's asking me like who's is that where you know who where'd that come from I'm like tentacle view calls get on our website and get it so yeah. uh, it was a good investment really cool call so yeah it'll it'll last you for years to come for sure exactly good solid wood well, man, um, kind of moving into the the second part of our discussion here, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's on your radar for getting geared up and getting prepped for um, the upcoming fall whitetail season. I know last year we did a podcast, and I think I mentioned it, um, the episode 28 titled Ohio Whitetails, and I, I don't know, it was probably roughly a year ago by now, coming up on it at least, and you kind of were kind of in the same boat. You were you were uh setting the stage for your upcoming season and you had a big deer on camera um unfortunately wasn't the one that you ended up bagging but that's how it goes sometimes um but i want i wanted to talk to you and see kind of kind of what's on your radar and maybe kind of start off by talking about uh the the areas that you have to hunt not not specific locations necessarily but just uh what kind of landscape you're looking at, um, what opportunities you have to do certain things and, you know, kind of what kind of deer, um, you're expecting off of it. Yeah. So, uh, the pictures from last year and, um, uh, the trail cam photos, I guess, of that digger buck that I had, he, uh, I'm back in that spot, same spot. I just moved my mineral site this year. 
probably should have done a little earlier. I was a little late to the game this year. I won't lie. I was pretty busy, but um, I just got my cell camera put back up, and that's a new thing for me going into this deer season is a cell cam. I did that more of, um, you know, obviously detect when he's in there, but last year, by the time I pulled the card, he had already been there, and he was gone doing his, you know, to another farm doing his own thing. So if I would have been in there the first two weeks of season, I might have got a crack at him. So that's why I stepped up and – I bought the Reveal Tacticam. It's been a solid camera. Batteries last forever. Mineral sites taking a little bit to get established. I'm getting a lot of does and finally some fawns. Um, I've had some decent bucks pass through. The property I hunt, it's kind of like a, a funnel. So I think the, the bucks just kind of, and I notice this during deer, like normal deer season, is they kind of just come through every three days. It seems like you'll, you'll get them for like a couple days, and then they're gone for like a week, you know, three days to a week, and then they come back. So the pictures right now are kind of – they're not as steady as they were last year and that probably is my fault for moving the mineral site but anyhow that's a, a little 12 acre parcel i have that has some pretty good deer and talking to the neighbors they all kill some big ones in that area so yeah it's just vapple mineral I, I use lucky buck as well um just keeping those fresh and try to get a little intel on what's going on with the size of deer at that place um the another property i I've killed a lot of my deer on. I'm kind of shifting gears and letting some other, you know, taking some other people in there. Hopefully we're lot actually killed his doe. That would be that farm there. So we're going to try to maybe get a buck off that this year. And then, uh, uh, my stepdad has a pretty good place to hunt there. We usually, he, when he's done hunting, we usually go in and try to fill the freezer with, you know, there were sometimes some crippled deer left over. We got a buck right now. That's got something stuck around his midsection. All the neighbors know about it. Um, I imagine one of us will try to take care of him. I, I don't think he's going to turn out to be anything special, but it'd be a good first deer for somebody or just uh, get him out of his misery. I don't know if, you know, who knows if he's in pain or not, but eventually it's going to defect that rack. And uh, I mean, it's just not humane to have something like that on a deer. You know, we, we didn't really know how to approach it. I don't, I don't know what ODNR would even do, you know, if we did get him involved because he, he does, he only comes through like every, I don't know, maybe once a month I get a picture of this buck. So, I, you know, I don't know, but we're going to try to take care of it, I guess. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but. So when you say um, something's stuck, what, what what are you talking about? So I, it looks like we've all taken guesses of it. Like uh, my stepdad thinks it's a fishing net. It's uh, like a metal. I don't know if it's a metal. I can't, I can't even say what it's made out of. It looks like a hula hoop around this deer's mid behind its front legs. Huh. So you can only you can only see the hairs kind of disformed from it. It doesn't look like it's squeezing him or anything, but he had to leap through this thing, whatever it was. So um, I got some pictures of it. I guess I can send in. They're kind of they're not the best, um, but you get an idea. Like the first picture I got of him, it looked like a coyote was like jumping on his back, and and uh, it kind of blew me away, you know. And then I he turned, and I got another photo of him, and like I honestly could not tell what what it was but i finally got a daylight picture of him and you can see both sides where it completely wraps around his body so i don't even know what that would be my guess was uh i guess we could put this up and let people guess on it really um if you ever look at like a 55 gallon drum sometimes they have that lid that comes off and has that big metal band that goes around it to clamp that's what i'm thinking something off a feed barrel somewhere or who knows what but yeah it's new to me first time i've ever witnessed this so kind of interesting i mean we'll put them on the ground if we can during gun season 
yeah yeah we'll uh if you want to send those in we'll we'll throw them up on our instagram story after this episode rolls out and we'll give uh folks a chance to take a look at those and they can send in what they think it might be that's that's pretty pretty strange it is you know i've had thousands of trail camera photos occasionally you get a buck with something stuck in his horns but not around his mid mid section like this so yeah i don't know interesting but yes but yeah, so just basically getting inventory on my deer like everybody else and basic minerals and I might change a few stand locations. Um, I use I use all hawk products. Um, again, not affiliated with them. Uh, I use their hawk climbing sticks and I use hawk uh, stands. Uh, they're very quiet and lightweight and they last. The pads are better. They're sit on, more comfortable. Um, running the muddy trail camera arms this year for I run a Sony camera and then my gopro attaches that as well so i'm pretty basic really when it comes to i don't get too fancy compared to most guys but i got you what are some things that you like to consider year into year out as far as things that you might look for you or you've noticed in the past and have decided to to change something off of and i I hope i'm wording my question right but you know what what are some what are some things you look for year in and year out to adjust i'll just say I base a lot of my stand locations, like probably a lot of other people, is that late February, March era when there's no vegetation and you can actually physically see the deer trails a little bit more. Um, I'm looking at track size still. I'm pretty old school looking at track size. And then I always take pictures of rubs during like the rut time, you know, and I, I look at the size of them, how tall they are, what direction they're coming from. I kind of plug that into my strategy of where I'm going to put my stands. Um, <clears throat> And thermals, that's, I would say thermals trump anything, really. Like, you you can get your stand sometimes in a really good spot. Sometimes you have to just pick a tree that's not the best location, but it's safe. It's safe to get into without getting busted, and you can exit without. And I tell you right now, I wish I would have known this years ago, but I think the hunting public kind of started this, is the milkweed. That stuff changes everything for me. I, I carry so much milkweed with me, it's not even funny. That's like what I do the whole time I'm sitting there, just dropping milkweed, looking at these thermals. And because uh, I hunt like a lot of bottoms, so it's hard to judge wind direction. But I notice I, in the mornings, you know, you get that thermal rise. And I don't care which way the wind's coming from, you drop a milkweed when that temperature's coming up, it's going straight in the air. And I got a lot of footage of deer last year just directly underneath my stand where the wind should be hitting them and it's not. So. I know it's a little off topic, but that, you know, I, I, I'm pretty basic, man. Like I said, I, I don't really focus on too many things really to say where I'm going to set my tree stand. I don't know if that comes from just doing it for so many years. Like a lot of guys I go with, they can just say, that's the tree, you know? And I, yeah. I think I've lost the ability to kind of actually move around. I don't think I'm very good at moving around and picking different spots is my thing. I think I'm set in my old ways of how I've always done it. And that's why I, I, it's good to take a buddy with you, man. Sometimes they see something that you don't, you know, everybody has a different scenario every year. You know, I, I get it. You have an un, un, unsuccessful year sometimes. And uh, that, that sometimes isn't just the hunter. It's like, there's a lot of factors that play into that, you know, but I, I've always, you know, tell a buddy what's going on or show them what they think. I usually take somebody in with me when I hang stands, you know, and sometimes they'll say, well, you need to go, ten, you know, 10 trees this way or 25 feet this way you know so i'm always open for suggestions but as far as tactics and stuff i mean it's trails thermals and trail camera let the trail cameras do the work too so 
that's a game changer for sure. Absolutely. So I have in here in my notes the do's and don'ts is is kind of what I what I titled this question, if you will, and okay. mainly wanting to talk about some stuff that you've learned over the years from kind of managing or adapting to some of these these smaller properties or or these these tracks basically because we we have a lot of guys who you know especially down the south that might have their own deer lease which could be several hundred acres and then we also have a lot of guys who hunt smaller properties like that what are some things that you might have learned by trial and error over the years for um managing your pieces of property and if somebody else is doing it some stuff that they can either steer clear of or or definitely try to try to take on um i've always this is like my thing is i I don't know why but like if i'm hunting a small small partial and i'm bordered by four different pieces of property that people hunt i instantly used to think that they're bad hunters and they're screwing up my situation i've kind of learned to you know you talk to a lot of hunters there's a very educated hunters I don't think people need to have the mentality that like that neighbor's ruining it for me or he doesn't know how to hunt. You know, there's so much information out there now with YouTube and the internet and just, you know, like I stated before, you know, we used to get the monster buck thing, you know, video once a year, you know, now you get on, you you get on YouTube, you can get lost on that for hours of educational (laughs) stuff, you know, and you know, everybody's doing it. You know, the hunting public for sure is one. I mean, they've exploded because they're average people. And they're, then they take the time to explain to you, like, what, why they did this or, you know, what the buck did this, you know. So that's, a, I guess, a, a don't is don't judge your neighbors. You know, maybe you get to know them if you can, but, like, have the mindset that they might be just as good a hunter as you are, you know. And if you work as a team, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. And if they do shoot a big deer, don't be mad about it. They, there's always more, you know. That's another thing. Don't get down if you see the neighbor shot some hog a target buck because they always new deer move in all the time i've really learned that over the years especially with trail cameras you know everybody gets set on that one buck you know and then he's gone and you think it's over with but then your camera explodes with three or four new bucks you know that you you hear that a lot on social media you know like i've never seen that deer we just shot you know or something like that so and another thing, I guess, I, I hope I'm sticking to the topic here. Oh, yeah. Um, I've always been the guy that's like, you got to be in the tree stand an hour and a half early. Regard, you know, and if I was a half hour late, I wouldn't even go. But, man, I, I've had guys that work some crazy schedules and they just can't do that. And they go out at like 8 in the morning when the sun's already been up and then they kill 10 minutes into the tree. You know, yeah. it is all about the right place at the right time. I get, That's another thing. Don't get hung up on, you know, uh it just doesn't seem like the right time of day. I'm not going to go. I mean, that has its time and place, but if you can go like with a work schedule, like most of us, you know, you just want to go. Don't let the time of day discourage you or just go do it. You know, cause I, you might get in the stand at 5am and you're not even killing until 10. You could have been there at nine, you know, so yeah. don't get hung up on time schedules. You know, like deer, everybody acts like deer are on a time schedule. They'll do what they want. You know, weather has a lot of, a lot of effect on the way that these deer move so oh yeah so kind of one of the one of the last bullet points i have here that i want to talk about was just uh just kind of i know you talked about some turkey gear and then you mentioned a couple of products that that you're that you're using this upcoming year um but as far as like managing and everything 
Um, do you have any certain uh, equipment or tools, products, anything like that, that um, you either used, and I'm talking about attractants or even stuff that you, you use to plant food plots or do anything like that? Are there any, any particular tools or anything you'd like to, like to mention? Because as I said before, you know, we're, we're blue collar guys and we, we invest in our, most of our own stuff. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I just did make a recent purchase I'm pretty happy about. So we've always used uh, for food plots, just mow it down, spray it. Um, we use glyphosate, 41% glyphosate. You can get it in any tractor store. It's a real strong two-week killer. Um, and then the normal disc, just back and forth, back and forth. You know, you got to understand we're not farmers doing this. So we're not buying the expensive equipment. And then atv stuff that's kind of light duty so you got to kind of be careful you don't buy something too cheap because the ground you're working is probably not you know farm ground it's you know little pastures and little pieces of woods that you're tearing up so this piece i just bought not affiliated with them either is uh coons till ease 43 inch i think is what it's called it's k-u-n-z if anybody wants to look it up they're like 2500 dollars new but i found this one used um, the guy said the motor didn't work. It's basically got, I think, five discs on the front, and then it's got the rippers on the back. It's 43 inches wide. You can use a 400cc machine and bigger. Um, I tore the motor apart. It does work. It was a good deal. So that's that's going to West Virginia with me here this summer. We are going to – I got about three acres of pasture down there. And this is another thing with West Virginia is there's not much ag ground. It's more just hill train and hay country. So – I would love to do clover like we do up here, but the deer down there have clover. So I'm going to do something different. Like they don't have ag, you know, ag crops, your corn, your wheat and your beans, any significant amount, you know, they might have the neighbor's garden to go chew on, but I got five to 10 acres of pasture down there. So we're going to start doing a little at a time, like an acre every year. Um, we're going down this year, um, probably August. We are going to do, this is pasture ground. It's just been hayed. So, it's, it's tough underneath um this ripper i mean it's it it's going to do okay basically we're just going to knife in um the radishes and the turnips is what we're going to do and that's actually supposed to help with your tillage so when those bulbs develop and get down into the soil they expand the soil and then if the deer don't eat them up they still dissolve and then you're you're left with looser soil so then next year we'll go in and till it under again and plant probably soybeans that's our plan so Awesome. Um, that's a manager awesome. manager practice for us would be, you know, give them, give them feed. They don't have, you know, something to pull them in, I guess is like everybody else wants to do. But, um, sometimes you gotta look around to what's around you. You know, you can plant clover all you want, but if your neighbor's got 300 acres of clover field that he turns cattle or alfalfa, even, you know, you're not doing much different to your property. So well, good uh, deal. Yep, mineral, minerals and that tillage tool. That's a good deal there. Um, I wish I would have bought one sooner. We would be down there doing it now, but we're getting kind of late in the year to be doing soybeans and stuff. So we had to kind of switch it up. I'm going to end up going with those turnips. So, yeah. Well, Kurt, I appreciate you, uh, you coming on this week and, and sharing some of the stuff that you got going on, talking a little bit of Turkey to kick things off. It's been good catching up and I'm sure that, uh, we'll have you back on here before too long to talk about something else, either, uh, before bow season or, or into it. We'll, we'll see how the, We'll see how the rest of the year unfolds, but appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, I appreciate it too. I want to throw one other thing in there. Yeah. Not to be a salesman, but everybody's out doing their summer hanging with the stands and even with turkey season too. I know we're past that, but another product I used was Sawyer's. 
Um, it's like S-A-W-Y-E-R-S. Other guys have used it. They did the clothes wash. Now they make it in a spray. That stuff will keep the ticks and mosquitoes off of you while you're hanging your stands. I just wanted to say that because I hung a stand the other day and it was absolutely miserable and got ate up. So just thought I'd throw that out there. We're not affiliated with them either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're uh, we're doing some free advertising here today. So. Yeah. I guess I bought more products this year than normal, I guess, is why. But <laughs> yeah, when you start like I say, man, I, if it works, I'll preach about it because I know what it's like getting ate up. Ticks and mosquitoes, man, I... I everybody's out trying that's what you know everybody wants to get out in the woods and get started on this stuff and it's it's getting time you know where guys are gonna start getting serious about it but man those bugs don't let up so i thought i'd throw that out there sawyers if you haven't tried it the stuff works yeah heck yeah awesome well guys um I, we're keeping it short and sweet again this week um i appreciate you guys tuning in to another week on our fall position podcast like i said at the beginning if you have not already hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on we are on all major podcast platforms uh, as well as youtube and our episodes can also be found on our website fallobsession.com slash podcast on that same page there is a online uh form or feedback form that you guys can fill out just send us some general uh, comments ask questions or any kind of discussion over our podcast we take criticism constructively if there's something that we can change something we can do better we'd love to hear about it or if you guys uh if you guys know somebody that we should have on here please send them to us through there or uh, you can message us on our social pages our website, fallobsession.com, is our hub. That's where you can find all of our um, highlighted content, videos, photos, gear reviews, a lot of gear reviews on there, educational articles, um, some wild game recipes. We we got a lot of different stuff on there. We also have an online store where we sell the turkey call that's been uh, plugged earlier, as well as our own uh, apparel and decals if you want to support a small hunting business. Um, be sure that you uh, you go check us out at fallobsession.com. We got a new uh, American Pride t-shirt on there for um, some summer apparel. It's pretty sweet, so be sure you guys go check that out. And follow our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got some new video series in the works, um, so we're going to try to be having a lot more. Um, not just uh, entertaining, but also educational um, hunting and outdoor content on our YouTube channel. So be sure that you go over there, subscribe, and check out some of our videos. And other than that, that's about uh, all I got for you. As, as I said before, we're going to be bringing some more uh, kind of fall whitetail preparation type content to our podcast here in the weeks to come. So looking forward to, to doing something like that. So, Kurt, thank you again, man. I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your day today. Hey, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure getting to talk about hunting anytime. Heck yeah, anytime you can talk about hunting is a good time. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. We will catch you guys again next Monday for another Fall Obsession podcast episode. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, I'm the old there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.